and welcome to Reptory Screenings, episode 85. I'm your host, and with my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. And we're here to talk about movies. It feels like it's been a month, because I'm pretty sure it's been a month. It's, yeah, I think it's been a month. March 5th was when this last one came out, so yes, it's been a month. Oh, we took a month off. Damn, that's bad of us. We're back now. It's fine. There was, like, multiple reasons uh, on everybody's part, you know? Yes. Yeah. But, and yet, Good effort to go. No, we're not going to do it. <laughs> and yet, haven't watched any movies. <laughs> okay, you haven't watched a single movie. I don't, I, I don't think I watched a single movie that wasn't referenced screens. You watched forty-five minutes of James Cameron's Avatar. Fuck you! I watched fifteen minutes of James oh, Cameron's Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sat down. I was like, "Oh, Avatar two is coming out," but I can't watch it without rewatching one because I don't remember a single thing that happened. Got fifteen minutes in, uh, I was like, "I'm bored," and just turned it off. Yeah, um, okay. it, it wasn't even like the worst thing ever. I was just like, what am I doing? And turned it off. Right, Destiny, what you got? I watched uh, Next of Kin, What's which that? is a 1982 Tony Williams movie. It is known as an Australian giallo film. Uh-huh. It's about this woman who uh, essentially inherits a elderly home. A home for the elderly, uh, and weird things start happening, and she uncovers a bunch of just shenanigans and murder, and there's a lot of water, and it's it's a very like great looking movie, but I realize I just don't like Jalo that much. Uh it's it's too slow. It's too slow for me. Yeah. Uh, but I did like this movie. Uh, it was really well done and. Uh, it was nice to see, like, I don't know, there's just something very, well, it's Australia. It, it, it looks like Australia. It just, it's deserty. It's barren. It's, it's, it's empty. And, and that's a good setting for, um, a horror-ish thing. But that's really all I have to say about it. Mm. Nice and spooky. Uh, I also watched... Did I talk about Stutz already? I have no oh, idea. I don't think so. Oh, well, continuing my Jonah Hill kick... Uh... Wait, what, what Jonah Hill kick? <laughs> I watched You People last time we talked. Okay. <laughs> I watched a movie he directed called Stutz about his psychiatrist, Phil Stutz, who... Uh, he's very, very close with, very enmeshed, very enmeshed relationship. My own therapist was very pissed about this movie. Um, but anyway, like, it's kind of a meta documentary about Stutz talking about his life, but it's also about Jonah Hill's, uh, sort of road to self-acceptance. And, um, it wasn't great because I feel like, a lot of Stutz's theories and ideas were just kind of lifted from other places and they never really cited where he got those ideas. Um, I mean, there were a few original things, but a lot of it was like Freudian and like, uh, DBT and I don't know. They're not Freudian, Jungian. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting. I, I liked things about it. Like at some point it's like, can we just, is it okay for just a sick old man to have a weird relationship with one of his clients? 
Or no, in is, fact, it's is not. Is it unethical? It's unethical? It, I don't know. It, that, that was interesting. But yeah, my sister was like, you gotta watch this. I cried. And I was like, mm. <laughs> uh, And then I watched uh, the black and white version of Johnny Mnemonic, which Em and I watched together. And it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, I can't imagine seeing this movie in color. I think it, uh, they like, I think Em will describe this better, but like, they essentially wanted to do it in black and white originally. Studio wouldn't let them, right? Yes. And so they, uh, you know, once the movie was out on Blu-ray, they were like, let's do it. We've got the resources. They went back and did it all in black and white and uh, i've never seen the movie in color but i don't want to see it in color looks better in black and white we watched the trailer in color and it was like hmm this looks bad garish yeah that's what it looks like i mean there's a charm <laughs> to the like 90s sci-fi bullshit to the uh, to the color version oh i believe that it's very oh. like when you think of a william gibson adaptation that's what it looks like uh, I'm just annoyed because I can't. I I don't. The Blu-ray is not here, out here, and um, there's there's no way to see the black and white version. No one's put it on the internet. No one is. I can't find it. Oh, that's a bummer. I looked into ripping Blu-rays, and I I can't figure out how to do it without buying software. So, uh, rip. Yeah. No. Yeah, in he's... fact, I can't rip. Uh, well, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's dystopian 2021, which tickled me. Um, people are storing data in their heads and Keanu Reeves is one of those people and he doesn't have enough storage space so his brain is like all fucked up from having too much of the the data and the data has secrets and he's got to figure it out he's got to figure out what he's going to do with the secrets but those are the movies I watched uh, so yeah, I watched John Demonic Destiny. Uh, I watched this because Nextlander for their Watchcast is watching it. I'd highly recommend you just listen to that episode. Uh, Austin's on. Uh, this was like an Austin-led project, I feel like. Oh, that's not true. I just think he really likes John Demonic came on. Um, and Austin's the one who turned me on to the black and white version. Because uh, if you buy it on iTunes, you get the black and white version as like a bonus. Um, and that's how he encountered it. I just bought the Blu-ray separately. Um, but yeah, uh, it is... Uh, Johnny Mnemonic is like not a great movie. It's like really messy and ambitious in all the ways that those '90s sci-fi movies can be. Uh, and, but I found a lot to like about it, especially yeah, regrading the movie for black and white really changes the vibe on a lot of it. It just feels uh, deliberately pulling from like early German expressionism, which was probably true of the original. It's just color really obscures doing some of that. Um turning up the contrast helps a lot um movies just look better in black and white everyone knows this uh it's good um it's no virtuosity but it's good um and then uh destiny forgot one because it's been a month we watched dragon ball super superhero i could have sworn we already talked about that but i might be thinking of the other podcast i'm on yeah no we did not talk about this which i will spare jackson because jackson's yeah needs to watch 130 episodes of dragon ball super right the fuck now Parallel, <laughs> but uh it's great it was a good time uh you know it's one of those i think i talked about this in 
GGP also. I, guess um, I got surprised. Like, wait, you're bringing anime to this podcast? I know Destiny well, was it's, it's a, a little different. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Dragon Ball Super Superhero is when it was announced, everyone's like, oh, it's like they did they switched to 3D and it looks like shit. And uh, yes, compared to Brawly, it looks bad. But uh, it works for the film that they're making. It ultimately, like, mostly looks okay. Um, and the movie's really good. So that's all that matters. Yeah, Still, it's excellent. Free, free my guys. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. If they can bring back everyone who's now been cast in the One Piece mines and they can make good-looking Dragon Ball again, I'd be very happy. They will not Imprisoning be everyone who made what the, they will one not of the best-looking anime movies of all time forced them to work on garbage like One Piece forever. Well, Stupid. here's the thing. is They put them on the biggest moneymaker of all time, so... It's not like no one has good taste. Everyone watching One Piece and it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that was it for me. I've not been. I've been gaming. I've not been watching movies. We haven't game. Yeah, bunch of gamers over here. All right, we're just gonna get into it. Uh, our movie this week is The Man Who Stole the Sun, the 1979 film directed by Hasegawa Kazuhiko, uh, written by Leonard Schrader. Uh, Jackson, what happens in the movie? Uh, this movie is about a man who is a teacher, though I don't remember his name. Uh, the man who stole the sun. Makoto Kido? Makoto Kido, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't know the names. I remember the plot, I just didn't know the names. Yes. Uh, uh, Makoto Kido, who is a uh, science teacher and like homeroom teacher in a, in a secondary school, um, who is building a nuclear bomb at home. He's building an atomic bomb. Um because that's just what he wants to do. Uh, at the start of the movie, he gets involved with a um, kidnapping incident. Uh, a, a weird guy kidnaps the school bus he's on uh, and tries to like get a audience with the emperor. And this cop shows up and um, uh, dissolves that situation. They're both kind of like the cool guy heroes that end up in the newspaper. Uh, and so, as he builds the nuclear bomb, when he like calls the cops to make his demands, uh, he specifically asks for this cop as like. Uh, kindred spirit of fighting for justice or whatever uh but it's mostly about how he doesn't know what to ask for he built this bomb he steals plutonium um and he has now the power of states uh and doesn't know what to do with it he like <laughs> he gets baseball extended so that they don't turn off the baseball at 9 p.m when the game's getting good like they're always doing uh he gets the rolling stones to play in japan um <laughs> is one of the things that uh was announced uh and is happening over the course of the movie um and this continues escalating the the police close in on him uh and eventually like he he wraps in a like radio host into this uh who's a woman who's like kind of into it and finds it cool uh and this all culminates in like the, the the cops are closing in on him. They've got him in a situation. He's like bribing his way out. He gets he gets into a car. It's a huge car chase. They they the cops get the bomb. He steals the bomb back. They're all running around. Uh, the cops chasing him <laughs> on a helicopter. Uh, the girl gets killed uh, in this chase, and with pure nihilism, he then just like builds the bomb again. Uh, doesn't really tell anyone about it. Goes to confront this cop one last time, and I guess wins in a shitty fight with him uh and then the bomb blows up and i guess tokyo is annihilated in an atomic explosion that's the end uh yeah that's true that's part of the movie would you please explain why we're watching this movie <laughs> well <laughs> 
It was a movie that uh, I discovered because the soundtrack of it is in um, Evangelion 2.0, uh, which is a song. It was the so- my favorite song of that movie. Uh, in a good scene that I liked, and then I realized, wait, he just stole us for another movie. Then independently, I looked it up and was like, whoa, this movie seems cool. It wasn't like, oh, I had to watch this because it was in Evangelion. I know, but it's still funny. Uh, it was that uh, I heard about the song, saw it was for another movie, watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, this no, what happened cool was right. we were talking about the soundtrack of Eva being lifts from other things, and I found the trailer for this movie, and we were both like, shit, we need to watch this. Because <laughs> I was yeah. on a call with you when this happened. I forgot we were on a call. I, I don't, I, you remember this more than me, apparently, uh, which yeah. rarely happens. Usually I'm the one who remembers stupid details. Um, but, uh, yes. <laughs> and this was years ago at this point. So. Many years ago. Yeah, this was pre COVID, I believe. Yeah. Uh, how time passes, uh, and then and yeah, and I never got to it. I was like, if I I will watch this if I make it uh, my job, uh, and I thought it was a good choice, and it turns out I was right. It's a good movie. Uh, yeah, it's weird because like watching it, I was like, because I, I loaded up, I was like, I don't even know what this like. I know it's about a nuclear bomb, but I don't know if it's a comedy. I don't know if it's serious. Like just going into a movie not really knowing tonally what you're about to get mm-hmm. uh, is very funny because. Um, I would say it quickly reveals itself to be a comedy, but it quickly reveals itself to be an extended montage of a man building a bomb (laughs) without a lot of like narrative framed over that. It's just literally like the first 40 minutes of him building a bomb in his bedroom. Well, there's a kidnapping in there as well. Yeah, that's true. The bus is taken hostage. Yes. Uh, The bus being taken hostage is the most like prologue to a visual novel. <laughs> scenario that's ever happened I can, doesn't like, it, actually matter other than it introduces the leads to each other it's just the, well it just the leads sets up like the entire themes it is like important for the plots yes. and what the movie's trying to say but it is so totally disparate from like what else is happening mm. um like oh right he was in a kidnapping and it like established a bunch of things yeah but it's not like he wasn't thinking about making a bomb before that you know uh no but it does, like, you know, you, you get the, the, the cop involved, you get him, like, being a weird, fearless hero, going up to the guy because he doesn't really care about being shot. Yes. Uh, it completely foreshadows all the, like, bits later where they're the, the same SWAT teams are closing in on him. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, this movie's very goofy. It reminded me a lot of times. Uh, it just in, like this is just the era that it's in. Uh, it reminded me of a more sedate version of like um, Danger Diabolic, like when he steals the <laughs> plutonium out of the uh, out of the like reactor. Um, the way that shot is very like comic booky. There's a lot of like good pop art of the action like being in still frames like intercut between each other um i love that so i everyone runs in there's a bit where he first is like designing the bomb where he's watching like an ultraman on the tv um and the way all those guys come in in different colored jumpsuits is straight out of tokyo shows (laughs) yeah i mean like even before he um goes on that he's watching ultraman on tv yes uh like this entire thing being his weird uh, Arrested Development kid fantasy is uh, very clear from the off, mm-hmm. uh, and so you get his like Toku mission, yes, uh, which is shot exactly like that. It's very funny, and the way the way like guns are used is really interesting to me as well because he's like constantly shooting uh, in this thing, but he never kills anyone. He's always shooting like. Um, I, I, in fact, I think you will find he kills exactly one person with a gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
But he's always shooting like, oh, this vent that will knock everyone out. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is, feels very <laughs> intentional of like guns deployed and action scenes for how they work in cinema, uh, but always like to distract or to uh cause chaos right like he, yeah he, but then yamashita gets got like eight times <laughs> that man is yeah. so shot by the end of the movie <laughs> he's so shot, and then he keeps getting up <laughs> yes i love it uh but yes no i i adore that and that breakout sequence where he's stealing the plutonium and then all the guys come in and they're different colored <laughs> like yes like, radiation <laughs> gear and he just takes them all out yeah he like swims in like it's Metal Gear. <laughs> yes. yes, beautiful. Yeah, um, it's just goofy that way. Like, there's a bit early on where he like he's somehow like good at disguises. Where like at the beginning he's like dressed as an old man, where he knocks out like a guard, and then later he's got the world's worst uh, goatee <laughs> in when he's uh you know in the mall uh that man no one looked like someone who has a bomb more than him in that goatee in the, the right <laughs> it's true it was amazing that he was able to like walk around that department store without being immediately arrested yeah people were like oh that looks like the unibomber i know that time works one way but uh <laughs> absolutely just looks like that yes <laughs> uh goofy uh, i love that they get him you were talking to me last night about like he's uh, so Kenji Sawada is the guy who plays Kido, and he's like a famous uh, singer. Um, uh, he was in Mishima Life Before Chapters. Um, later, he goes on to be the dad in Habits of Curries, which is my favorite Mike movie. Um, and uh, like he was on the cover of Rolling Stone in 69, uh, like a big deal. Um, and him playing this like should be a cool guy, but is actually just kind of a disaffected nerd is really good. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny because whenever he's like in public, he's got his glasses on, he's got his suit on, looks incredibly hot, uh, just like a cool movie star. The second yes. he gets home, he's just like dorkily jumping around, singing to in his, his fucking cartoons. Usually, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the bits where he's uh, he takes off his clothes have a very interesting effect that's only m- modern. Uh, this is not like an intentionality of the movie, but it's like. You know when you see old hot guys in movies and you're like, but they don't have abs. They've not they've not been doing the fucking like workouts that people do now to get abs, right? He's just yes. a normal kind of like in shape guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you're like, right? That's a modern invention of advertising that like yes. current how like uh, workout stuff works. Yes. Um, and then contrasting him with uh, Buntu Sugawara, famous, iconic as uh, Yamashita, who's a guy who just, that guy is wearing a waistcoat every day. He wakes up, oh, he puts so on good. the fucking waistcoat. You know he's that guy. <laughs> he's got the waistcoat, he's got the long coat in his introduction yes. scene. Uh, amazing. What a perfect cop. Yeah. Just got like the perfect cop haircut and attitude. Um, I love him in this. He's such a hard ass. Yes. <laughs> And those two bouncing off each other is just a good time. It really is. Uh, yeah, no, uh, th- those two work really well together. Um, and yeah, you, most of them, like, the bulk of the movie is, oh, can he figure out that it's the guy he already knows? Well, unfortunately, he built a voice changer, so no, he cannot. <laughs> no, he cannot. <laughs> uh, and they go back and forth. Uh in this ridiculous exercise i i love that the most of the movie is about building a bomb and then not knowing what to do with it it's so good yeah um, it's very funny what would you do with a nuclear bomb oh right nothing i don't i don't fucking know like <laughs> this is mostly about how like 
in a in a you know the alienation of modernity where your main complaints about society are so surface level that you can't even see the things that are actually upsetting you. He's like, I guess, like, because his job's fine. He doesn't actually dislike being a teacher. It's not about someone who's like, it, it's um. This is why it felt very 80s to me, especially for Japan, right? Because it's, it's not about, like, poverty, right? It's not about, like, the oppression yeah. of capitalism. It's about... It's a, it feels very 90s, I guess, in, in an American movie sense. You know, your fight clubs and whatever of, like, you've got things, but none of it means anything. And I would say it's better than fight club of doing this, because it's, yes. you know, the thing it's about. But it is of a similar disposition of being about, like, a, a uh, first world um, malaise of what does it mean to, like, have any power, uh... And uh, I think it's really good at doing that. I think it's like <laughs> choosing because uh, it's doing like the satire of nuclear proliferation, but it's mostly about how like no one wants. What do you What do you want? What What could make the emptiness of the like modern world actually better if you had the power to fix it? Uh, and you couldn't like see how to change it, right? Because he, he's not like, oh, I'm going to make a political movement. He just wants the baseball one later. They take the baseball off too early. <laughs> Yes. And he's right. It's annoying when they take the baseball off too early, right? Like, I mean, it's a very pre-internet thing. Uh, but that's just the the vision of the world he has. Is The way my world is being impacted is I wanted to watch the baseball and now I can't. He's he's a child. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's really uh, good about these, these things. Like, it's not a direct metaphor for anything. It's not like a clear one-to-one allegory. Uh, it just uses this uh, as a good way to sit in the nihilism of modern Japan, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's really effective at doing that. Uh, like, <laughs> uh, it's very on the nose, but the way he's like singing the Astro Boy theme, you know, Mighty Atom, I guess, important for yes. uh, <laughs> uh, anyone who doesn't know, uh, while he's making a fucking bomb, is so good. Yeah. But then also, like, the way it spins out into like a very standard, like, cop versus criminal with a girl in the middle kind of narrative. Uh, to me, like, evokes what would become, like, V-Cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the direct-to-video, like, exploitation Japanese cinema that litters the 90s, especially. Um, and uh, classics. Like, I look at this movie and I'm like, Takashi Miike stole literally every part of this movie for, like, six different films. Yes. <laughs> um, and it just feels so uh, surprising to see it uh, all laid out here in a, in a, in a genre, like framework that i think of as happening 20 years later right um but it's all right here on the screen mm-hmm. um and it, it doesn't feel like all the other 70s japanese movies i've seen which are usually much more like self-serious like crime movies um and is being a little more ridiculous and uh pulling from a, bu- a bunch of different ideas um the whole bit with uh with zero the uh, dj like getting the call and then just doing a call-in show of what everyone would want if they had an A-bomb and everyone's answer is, like, even more frivolous than shit that he was asking for. <laughs> I think dreams are better if they're unrealized. <laughs> the, the, the little kid who's like, I'd like a house made of snacks, chocolate and hamburger steaks. She's like, hamburger steak's not a snack. <laughs> <laughs> what would you uh, wish for if you had a bomb? None of... I don't... I don't think that like the, an individual, the problem is an individual with a nuclear weapon is not capable of like leveraging change in any real way. And arguably one could state that nuclear proliferation, and this is the movie's like thing is the nuclear proliferation is not actually enabled anyone to be the lever of change. It just creates right. a detente where everyone hopes to not die. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only nations can have those, not people. 
Oh, that part's really good. That's my favorite <laughs> line in the whole movie. It's like, I see what um, you're going for. It all came together for me with that, with that one line. Because at first I was like, this is really zany. That's kind of going all over the place. And then that happened. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm watching now. Um, but the thing for me that ends up being most charming is the, all of the weird action bits. Like, once the cops take the bomb, like, they can't, they can't un, uh, take it apart because they don't have the specialized tools for nuclear weapons. So they're just all... Like six cops are in a room overnight watching the bomb to make sure nothing happens to it. And they're all just like flop sweating because they're sitting next to a nuclear device. Um, and Zero tells uh, Kido where the bomb is. So he decides it's like on the sixth floor of like the police building. So for somehow he finds a way to the roof and like repels in through the window to steal the bomb back wearing like a goofy Frankenstein mask. <laughs> uh, he gets it so quick. This is a <laughs> expert yes. in and out situation. Yes. Well, somehow she has the floor plans. Yes. To give to give to him so he can yeah. do, find it immediately. I would have assumed just, that a atomic bomb would have been under greater guard than right next to a window. Right. But <laughs> well, then, well, then it leads to like and then they drive off, and as they drive off, uh, Yamashita's driving into work, um, and he like just cop senses that something's wrong and so you see them like drive off and then he comes like literally flying over the hill like in his car and then does a u-turn and begins the world's longest like blues brothers-esque police chase yeah they're like on his silly when he jumps um, from the helicopter. Well, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah so yeah, like yeah. they have this big long chase and it becomes morning as they do that and just it's just like 10 cop cars on the freeway. So they're just, it's just like this long trail of people driving fast, but like kind of undangerously. And then the world's most dangerous jump stunt happens. You're like, Oh my God, everyone involved almost died. You know, they almost did because in 79, <laughs> no one was doing car stunts safe. There's no such thing. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, it's great. And then it becomes a fucking, they, they do like a car joust where they run at each other on the pier. And that's when uh, Yamashita's car crashes and he gets out. But they've had a news helicopter following them because uh, Zero wants the news story. So she's having her guys film it. Um, but then somehow Yamashita gets on the helicopter <laughs> when it gets low enough. And the next time you see him, he's 100 feet in the air, hanging off the helicopter, firing a gun down at them. And then falls like 100 feet. And then it just cuts to like the Toku like change of scenery roll, and he's fine actually. <laughs> yeah, um, and the way it just like three esc- shots because it, it, it yeah. there's like the way it described it might be two shots, but no, three shots. He's, he's on the uh, he's on the helicopter, and then he jumps, and it doesn't pan. It cuts. It cuts because you think he's on the helicopter, and he's only slightly above the ground. But then as he jumps off, it cuts to reveal he's like a hundred feet off the ground. <laughs> yes. And then it cuts to him like rolling in the dirt, and then he's he's like he's like crawling, but you see him again like literally days later, and he's fine. Yeah. So it's not like he like almost died or anything. He didn't break uh, anything. Yeah. Um. But the, the cartoony energy of all of that is just very funny. Um. And feels really inspired by the Takasatsu stuff that he like he's watching on television, right? Um. Yes. It, like the way in which it cuts between people like falling through tra- scene transitions is very much they just do the toku roll multiple times this movie um and it ends with their stupid little shootout which is like way more like grimy and like crime movie at the very end uh but then they both go over the side of the building and it's just two dummies strapped together. <laughs> yes my favorite that kept happening in johnny mnemonic too 
yes there was a very good dummies go over a building um the one that i always think of is uh the one from the fucking second uh uh the second uh, dirty harry movie terrible movie. <laughs> truly <laughs> terrible movie but it has one fucking amazing dummy scene that is yes. so funny it made them laugh for about 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so good um uh yeah the the energy of that stuff is really and then he like catches a line and the line snaps and then it swings him around the side of the building and into a tree which then falls down the tree just like straight up like cartoon shit and he just does himself off and is like oh i guess uh the inspector's dead <laughs> yes he somehow survives that he wins that fight yes uh because uh despite going over the building yeah, all that stuff is so funny. And then you look at it and it's like this movie like won a bunch of awards. You're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a big hit, I guess. Um, yeah. Like slightly controversial because he uh, does. You know, well, there is a part where in the middle of fucking Endless Eight Summer Vacation, he dro- <laughs> drops a bunch of plutonium into a pool and everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah, that uh, scene fucked me up. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> that was nothing. What really fucked me up was when the cat ate the plutonium and the cat died. Oh, oh I hated that ruined too. Ruined my I life. The cat died. Yeah. That was hard to watch. It was yeah. hard to watch. The kid- Kids and the cat. Uh, uh, the kids. Ah, fuck the kids. The cat is why. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad for both. Uh, but yeah, no. The the scene in the pool reminded me of the. Y'all haven't seen Piranha, right? No. Okay. I'm yeah. Not. There's a big climax with piranhas in a kid pool, um, <laughs> or not pool, a lake. Uh, but anyway. I know. Emma's uh, being way more embarrassed saying this is like the anime I literally just watched with a swimming pool. It just made me think of... And the thing uh, is, it is. They're right. They're, I'm not, I also thought this. <laughs> yeah. Because I... Uh, it's specifically the fra- the framework of, like, an overcrowded Japanese swimming pool is, like, its own distinct visual, right? Yes. Especially for me, because, like, every... Like, I've been in overcrowded outdoor pools, but they just don't look like... Why is it so tiny? Why is the pool so small? Why is it such a small <laughs> pool in Japan? And I don't know why. It's because Tokyo's a cramped city and they have to develop the pools later. Uh... Every time I've gone to like an outdoor pool, it's been way bigger than any one I've ever seen in any Japanese media. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things about the movie, uh, because of its era, is everyone's wearing those really early, ugly, like, Seiko digital watches. Yeah, yeah you pointed that out. <laughs> because they, they were like a new invention. But the bomb has a has an like an old style analog watch in it as part of like the core, which I thought was an interesting like visual choice. Yes. It doesn't mean anything. I sometimes movies are just visuals, and you just find them interesting. This is just part of the um, uh, the seventies movie cohort that I always like. They're actually eighties movies, just early. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the sensibility of this movie I would associate with more eighties movies. I um, would mm-hmm. associate it with. Oh, sorry, were you going to say more? No, just 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 saying that. It reminded me of that wave of like late sixties American movies, sort of like a. Uh, Ooh, like a midnight cowboy. Uh, I don't know how to like put my finger on. I'm trying to think of what's the name of the uh, like those kind of end of the studio system kind of film. It felt like that to me. It felt like a little like older in its sensibility. Okay. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I just meant like because of its like a focus on technology and futury stuff and uh, mm. like um you know the the emptiness of uh being in a rich city and not wanting for anything and not knowing what to want right um, it felt similar to like networks and other 70s movies i'm like this is from 75 but it's it feels like an 80s movie the 80s is already here <laughs> that woman already works in the 80s and 75 <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Faye Dunaway is the 80s. <laughs> That's basically what that movie's about. <laughs> um, I think ultimately the, the, the part of this I thought that was probably the weakest was just uh, the stuff with um, with Zero, uh, the uh, the lady who I just thought was done a little disservice. Just like very clear, like the girl in the cop. Oh, she's extremely the girl. The yeah, girl in the cops and girl, girl dynamic. Um, I thought her like media thing was fine, but she didn't like get much to do other than kind of go between these two men um, and then I die. Do, I do really like the the bit where she follows him and he, she just finds him acting like a 10 year old holding up the building. Uh, yes. That bit's really I thought weird. that bit was very funny the, and charming. The bit where they like kiss and then he throws her in the water. Incredible. <laughs> I liked when you think she's going to date the cop and then she's like, fuck the police. I'm going with the bomber. <laughs> this movie is oh, so the- fuck the police. It's really fun. There's like a little extra edge in its like uh, the cop suckness. It's mostly just doing mm-hmm. fun cops and criminals both of us are on this collision course thing but then when it comes to it it's like this this cop is actually super lame uh and the cops have made this like they're, they've been, they're inciting a riot to try to catch him the cops suck so bad by the way the cops are bad i'm like thank you leonard well like, um i oh go ahead uh the thing that i like is that uh the the scene on the roof with uh zero and yamashita is like he he does the whole like you know i'm bunta sugawara i've got sex appeal and i'm gonna like hold you close and try to talk you into doing the thing i want and she immediately like sees through him and is like you just want you're a great public servant because you would use me to get what you want out of this and he's like yes absolutely ma'am yeah. and she gives she gives the fucking uh um paranoia agent speech of like i think what he's doing is good for social change i support him in his actions because it makes people think about the lives they lead yes because she <laughs> thinks he has like the, the the you know she thinks he also has an ideology which he fucking doesn't no the world's biggest but i was like i was like oh paranoia agent is also riffing on this movie yeah, yeah i mean paranoia agent is literally about the exact same thing like yes uh, more directly than some of the other things that like just happen yes. to have similar vibes just being another movie about like modern nihilism in a post-nuclear japan Yes. Um, if only the cop in Paranoid Agent was as cool as Bunta Sugawara. It's just, they, just... they go up to the Infernal Affairs roof at the end of this movie, um, <laughs> which I, I know that's 20 years later, but I, when I think of cops and criminals movie ending on a roof conflict, that's where I'm going to go. Uh, and you think it's going to be the classic, like, we're both noble and have our reason thing, but it's just we're both the most pathetic people that have ever lived. <laughs> He's just a well, literally dog. ends in like a f- fucking like scrappy fight that like kids would have, right? Yes. <laughs> Except yeah. there's a gun involved. Um, but I just um, I find it very interesting that the uh, the cop, despite being like he's introduced so cool, he's like diffusing this kidnapping situation. He's taken a hit. Uh, national hero. He's got the coat. He's got the waistcoat. Just that ideal of like tragically good cop right like you think it's doing the thing where he's like tragically sacrificed too much of himself to justice uh and it kind of does that but it still ends up mostly being about how like that's a thing that idiots do uh it's not really respectful (laughs) of the noble uh aggrieved cop right which i think that a lot of this kind of media uh will play that up as like the state might be bad but the the individual sacrificing their life for justice is noble um Mm -hmm. this guy's not noble he's just a square (laughs) Yeah, no, he's just, he's following the protocol. He just wants to, yeah, no, it's it's really good how they play that out. Um, yeah, which, like, I, I'm not saying that as, like, a, oh, the movie's, like I say, Infernal Affairs is absolutely about the nobility of the cops sacrificing everything. Love that movie. That movie's one of my favorites of all time. I'm not saying I don't like that thing. I just, I just thought it was interesting and in how it, like, moved away uh, from um, 
where I consider these kind of like cops and criminals noble rivalries to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have anything else? The bit where he sings along to that song and starts dancing is uh, that's me. That's me whenever I'm in standing in the kitchen. The Bob Marley song? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that was good. That was that was a fun little moment. That was just so real. I was like, that's that exactly how it is. That's so true. Turn up, shut up. <laughs> I thought the Rolling Stones were going to show up in this movie for like two seconds. I was like, it might happen. It's the, it's the kind of era where it, I wouldn't have put it out of the realm of possibility, right? You know, that, that's what we kept saying. We were like, well, if they were in this, I feel like uh, M was like, you would have known Dusty. And I was like, yeah. You would have known the Rolling Stones are in some weird Japanese movie you'd never seen, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> It would be a big deal if this movie was about the Rolling Stones getting nuked. We would all know that. <laughs> we would all 100% know for a fact that this movie ended with the Rolling Stones getting nuclear annihilated. After yeah. uh, not being allowed to come into Japan in real life because of, uh, is it Keith Richards being charged yeah. with marijuana? Yeah. Um, anything else? We have questions, so. Yeah. I don't really have anything else. I liked this movie. It was zany. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you would like to send emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. It can be about anything, not just the movie. We did have a question of the week this week, though I think Destiny has one for the one coming up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we simply first, time. Yeah, um, our first question is from Hilver. Uh, I'll give a pass to many pretty bad films as long as they look nice, but what's your favorite movie that looks bad? For example, I have a great deal of affection for the Crank films, but I think the stylings of it are ugly, which yeah, I think they're, they're on purpose ugly. Um, a movie that is not on purpose ugly that I like despite it is uh, 20 Days Later, which is a, a movie that is nigh unwatchable because it uses early digital cameras and looks like shit. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yes, I could say, like, Revenge of the Sith in here. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> um, I, I do not like the, uh, well, specifically, I think Phantom Menace looks fine, but the two that he shoots mostly on green screen. Oh, cl- uh, Attack, of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is one of the worst looking movies yeah, I've ever seen. By the time he gets, like, the three years between those two have really in- improved the shooting technology for Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I just don't. I, I don't know how much like I Attack like of Attack of the Clones and for it to justify <laughs> yes. those questions, but it does look like shit. No. I love the movie Inland Empire, but I think that early digital look just doesn't suit it. Oh, you are on your own on this one. This is like, everyone yes. loves the weird, like, he yeah. shot it in 480 DV cameras. Yep. People love it. I think it looks cheap. <laughs> I've not seen it, but I have been really laughing at the, like, doth protest too much posts that they keep making. But like, oh, actually, the remastering process and the various AI algorithms was supervised by David Lynch. It's not. We haven't ruined it. Please buy this Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care either that. way. I just feel like the, the intensity of the posting about that has been, like, very... I promise you, it's real. Don't don't judge me for making this movie <laughs> in 4K. It's, yeah, it's a good movie. I just don't, I don't think it's his best looking. That's all. That's, that was the closest answer I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, fair enough. Uh, Joe writes in uh, two questions. One, I'm going to just take because no one else can answer. What is the most homestuckian movie covered or upgrade screenings? I think that's Clerks. Oh, is ooh, it? Ooh. <laughs> Kevin Smith made this world. <laughs> I was about to say, um, like, because I was, I was also looking at this because I, I, I haven't listened to the entire podcast, but I have, I, I have the ability to answer. But I don't think I can come up with a better one than Clerks. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a kind and chaotic uh, blank not filled in. I assume some sort of wizard travels you back in time to the 1960s and Zack Snyder. I, I gave Destiny dispensation to not include Zack Snyder in this because she was like, I don't want to do a Zack Snyder movie. It gives you all the tools necessary to make an adaptation of any comic book released until present day. What comic do you choose and who is on the cast? Well, if I were going to keep Zack Snyder, I would do like a X-Men thing with like peter ustinov with as magneto but i don't really know like i can't it's not that interesting but if i were gonna replace him with mario van peebles we would just do a black panther movie yeah i don't know who i would cast but yeah that's what i'd do i feel like the the snyder implication makes this more like because i already like the i mean i don't like man of steel that much but i like the two the 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 other two he made and uh, i don't really want to transport him to another point in time so i'm going to ignore that part of the question i guess yeah (laughs) Um, but, uh, I would say that I would just, uh, literally close my eyes and pick out any random, hopefully kind of crappy seventies Batman run. Okay. Yeah. Cause they're not crappy. They're good actually, but no, no, but I'm not, I don't want one of the iconic ones. I want like a weird one where he's fighting a okay. wizard or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who's, who's, who's your Batman in the sixties? Um, in the seventies. <laughs> No, the, this movie's from... You're making this movie in the 60s. That's in the premise. I thought it was... You are going to the 60s... And you're you're can, traveling back in time to the 60s, then you can make an adaptation of any mo- any comic. Yeah, but I thought that was because time. you then travel forward from the 60s to no, the no, present. No, no. So, but it has to no. be the 60s. No. Okay, that changes yeah. things. Sorry. Yeah. So I have to make a 60s movie. Yeah. I don't know enough about actors from the 60s. <laughs> um... Paul Newman is Batman. <laughs> uh, Paul Newman would be a great Batman. Paul would oh, be Natalie Batman. Wood is Catwoman. Oh. oh. Um. Thankfully, this is in the, exactly the framework of when I want a Superman movie to exist because Yul Brynner's still alive, and Yul Brynner Lex Luthor is come up on many podcasts <laughs> as my ideal thing that never happened. You have mentioned um, that. If every time yes. you're allowed to mention it, you do mention it. <laughs> so I went a little further since I was in the 60s. I was Because my vision of that is probably like a more of a 70s movie. But if it were in the 60s, um, I was like, well, I got to get a Superman. I got to get a Lois at least. So uh, I'm going a little afield for my uh, Superman. And I'm going to pick Dick Van Dyke. Okay. Oh, interesting. And then I'm going to pick Jane Fonda as our Lois Lane. I like movie. it. I like her in that context. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Yeah. Uh, Adam writes in, if someone were to make a movie that was literally about a man who steals the sun, who would you pick to direct and star in the sun heist movie? Um, this is another one where I'm bending the question. It's uh-huh. not a man. It's a woman. It's Kiki Palmer. And she's a scientist, right? And she's in love yeah. with Aubrey Plaza. And she's also a scientist, maybe some sort of astronaut. And they're going to steal the sun together in a heist romance hybrid directed by Natasha Lyonne. Okay. Um, I want a Orson Welles movie starring Willem Dafoe as an Ahabian character. (laughs) I love it. You always want an Orson Welles movie starring Willem Dafoe as an Ahabian character. (laughs) That's That's correct. That's correct. I do. He is the perfect Ahab. That's just true in life. Like, what do you want? I want an Orson Welles movie. <laughs> We're here. We're queer. We want an Orson Welles movie with Willem Dafoe as Ahab. 
Yes. Jackson. Um, okay. Uh, I want, like, the full uh, 90s Spielberg family adventure. Uh, oh, fuck. With, Cute. Um, who do I want? I want George Clooney as, like, a slightly older professor being, like, the, uh, like, I'm going to take take you on this journey and steal the sun. But I, I don't know who the, I want, like, the kid. I want the kid as the actual protagonist, like, an AI. Oh, but I don't, I don't like want, Jonathan oh, Lipnicki yeah. or something? Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> just want, like, kid. fucking Hager Wasman, but I don't know what kid. But I want some 90s kid doing this version. JTT, Taylor Thomas. You want you want you want the you want the kid with the glass from Jerry Maguire. That's Jonathan Lipnicki. Okay, yes. I don't know his name. I feel like that gets across. You know exactly what movie this is instantly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That'd be a great movie. So different than my choice. I like that so much. I like that so much. Um. Uh. Um. Tron writes in. A uh, couple questions. I'm just going to pick ones that we haven't necessarily talked about. What's your favorite looking shot in this movie? Um, there's one like where he's just walking down a hallway. That's really good. Um, mine is the the constant intercut to uh, Yamashita shooting in the shooting range, just like pointing a gun to camera like he's James Bond. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> he's so uncool. He really is. I just liked the whole car chase. The car chase was so anxiety inducing like it was just really well done i like the one uh it's not really i guess looking but i love the one where he um he's being followed by the like he thinks the cops aren't to him but it's just the loan shark for the one thing he bought and then he oh, just like yeah. dances in his face like oh you're just a loan shark what are you gonna do to me <laughs> what did we think of all the yeah that was great that was a great scene uh all the like slow-mo oh no i have radiation poisoning and my hair is falling out slow-mo well, when we you can avouch when we were watching him building the bomb, I was like, "This is very unsafe." He is he is dosing himself with so much radiation constantly here. Yeah. He, like he puts the uranium in the like like the shielding, but like he he doesn't close it safe. Like he's doing a criticality event at all times. He's just like he's he gonna die. Fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. It's kind of incredible he survives long enough to have the movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like that he's like, not visibly sick. More is like shocking, especially when the cat like immediately eats it and dies. I don't like. You should have been. This should, you would have had like a day after this first incident. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, sh- I shared with Destiny a bunch of resources about people who lethally dose themselves with radiation. Oh, uh, I don't know. After, I because I just, yet, I just I know things bring, like that. I can't bring um, myself to do it. There's the, there's the one Japanese guy famously who got uh, hit with enough radiation to basically kill all his DNA, but then live for another 80 days. It's really grisly. 80 uh, days? Those that must have been bad 80 days. They were, uh, it's, it was extenuating circumstances. It's a, it's like one of the most horrific things I've ever read. So. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> I'm not sending you the link. I'm just saying if you want to look it up, you can look it up. I'm not saying I'm not passing you the gun. I'm just putting the gun on the table myself yes. and letting you know there's a gun here. Like fuck off. Uh have you ever dealt with a bomb threat? No. I didn't have any of this. Destiny's like, yeah, in, I did. In high school it happened all the time. We had to go out to the football field because somebody called in a bomb threat. I remember one specifically on the anniversary of Columbine, which is also Hitler's birthday, and they were like, Oh, well It's also my junior high best friend's birthday. Yeah, and they were like, <laughs> Oh bomb threat. So yeah, it happened multiple times when I was in high school. Um, fair enough. What are your favorite movies that are in the American mode of filmmaking but are made in another country? The entire French New Wave. 
Uh, yeah, this is weird because like it ends up kind of sneaking in its own tail. Like a lot of the European like heist movies I like are 60s and 70s movies that are evoking classic Hollywood because post World War II, all those directors grew up on Hollywood movies, then made their own movies in the style of Hollywood, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's true of Japan also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true of basically anywhere where like American movies were really exported to. Yes. Yeah. Um, Rick writes in, if you are coordinating the music on a project, say a popular anime, I'm just going to say a movie, you want to spice it up with a riff on a song from the score of a film you really like, what would you take? I was still thinking like an anime, and I don't know what the anime would yeah, be you a- can do that. about. It doesn't but- matter. It doesn't matter. Pick The question is which movie you're taking the score from. Oh, Johnny Greenwood's There Will Be Blood score with like the weird siren sounding uh, orchestral music, like is so unnerving i think you could use that effectively in all kinds of things okay jackson i i was thinking about this i'm like i have no fucking clue um i don't have enough like cool scores to mind um mm-hmm well i genuinely didn't know i had answers i wasn't i didn't have like a here's the thing i would pull for my movie um, the one I would pick is uh, Eddie Morricone is the man with the harmonica from Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, because Morricone, this is one of those things Tarantino just got right 100% is you steal from Morricone every single time. Yeah. He never isn't cool. It's that's, true. That's, that is true. <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 like, I could have said Morricone, but like, he, first of all, everyone's already stolen from him too. Everyone already knows. Right. That was like, yeah. it, wasn't like doesn't make it doesn't make it not cool. Is doesn't the thing. make it not cool. Yes. It wasn't that I didn't know any scores. Like, I mean, like, yes, the Mission Impossible theme, right? Like, it's one of the fucking greatest of all time. Um, <laughs> uh, so I didn't know anything that wasn't like that level of obvious. Putting putting the love theme from Ocean's 12 into my anime. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you could take an existing cast of a movie and put them into a heist film, which cast would you pick? Oh, shit. I forgot to think about this one. I have to think about it. Uh, the cast from an existing movie? Yes. Wouldn't it be cool if the cast of Clu- Clueless did a heist movie? Yes. Yes, it would. <laughs> You're correct. I would love that. I think that would be really fun. Uh, this is the easiest easiest question we've ever had. Uh, a recent Retro Screenings movie is, of course, the cast of Manful Seasons are going to do a heist. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, I like that one. <laughs> my, choice, my choice is going to be Grumpier Old Men. Aww. Not the original, the sequel, because you get Sophia Loren if you pick the sequel. Okay. <laughs> But you get you get Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau, and Margaret, Sophia and Bur- Burgess Meredith, Daryl Hannah, is, Kevin Pollack. Is Sophia Loren still with us? She uh yes. yes. Wow. Good for her. She is eighty-eight. Grumpy okay. old men good. What? Is Grumpy Old Men good? Don't know, I haven't seen this. I've kid. never seen it. Cause it's like one uh, of those where like the cast is through the roof incredible but it's like a weird 90s comedy so it could be I mean, garbage. Yeah, it's, it's a movie for it's a movie for grandparents right like mm-hmm. i'm sure it's i'm sure it's pleasant and unremarkable <laughs> <laughs> i like that so it's scathing without being scathing <laughs> i don't mean in a bad way it's it's directed by donald petrie who did uh miss congeniality like you know you could do worse oh okay it, that movie is also pleasant and unremarkable <laughs> I love Miss Congeniality. Yeah, but it's pleasant. And unre- I'm not saying this, but I love a lot of movies that are pleasant, <laughs> you know, and remarkable. Yeah, me too. Me too. 
Um, anyway, uh, that's it for questions. Destiny, what are we doing next time? Next time we are doing the 1988 Pedro Almodovar classic women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Um, I think it's on Amazon prime, you know, find movies where you find them. Uh, do you want to know my question? Yes. What movie would you show time travelers from the future to show them what life was like in the 2000s? I thought this was a good question when he told me. I was like, damn, I have to think about this one. I don't know what one I would movie. pick either. Just one, one movie. movie. You can have an honorable mention if you really can't pin down one movie. But And when you say would... the 2000s, you mean like 15 years ago, not the 2000s like now. Mm. Like you know what? I will open it up. Like, you can, you can, what if a time travel came, if, if, if they pulled out of the wreckage one movie to be like, this is what the aughts were like. Uh, what movie do you think the, do you think it'd be most interesting for them to pull out? It could be a movie from this year if you want. Yeah, as I say, be, I, 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 I wouldn't be mad if it was a movie from like the last five years. So. Yeah, then, yeah. Do they want to know, do they want to know how the 2000s, the 2000s? No, no, we specifically, it definitely means the aughts. Yeah, I mean okay. the odds. Yeah, I okay, mean yeah, the yes, odds. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah, I didn't know if you okay. meant like the, the century. No, no, no. The odds. Um, well, there we go. All right. Plugs. Destiny. At Fridge Buzz Now, most places. My other podcast, Battling Girls, can be found on abnormalmapping.com slash Battling Girls. Jackson. A head falls off on uh, the websites uh, and uh, abnormalmapping.com is where you can find the podcast that me and M do. Listen to them. You can find me on Twitter, EM underscore being. Uh, you can support all our podcasts at patreon.com slash normalmapping. Uh, we're about to record after this uh, our next blockbusters on Phone Booth, which will probably be a great time. So. <laughs> I like oh, that uh, stupid movie. <laughs> also, uh, next Reptor Screenings is next week. Uh, so hurry up and watch the movie and send in your questions. Yeah, we, yeah. we didn't want to make another like three week gap. We Yeah uh because this was already the three-week gap and we pushed it again so uh this time we're yeah. doing the double to get us back on, back on schedule i'm really excited yep. to watch this movie all right uh that's it uh, until next time movies now more than ever don't expect to like them